You're listening to the Blair List Podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Blair List Podcast. I'm so excited for today's episode because I am joined by Ryan Charchian, who is the beauty community lead at Airtime. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a hot minute. We went to school <laughs> together, so we have to preface that. So that's how we know each other. A hundred percent. So it's such a full circle moment for me because we went to FIT together literally 10 years ago. And I love that we've reconnected because I've been following your journey on social media and I've just been like admiring from afar and been so impressed with all the amazing projects that you've worked on and brands that you've worked with. And I just felt like you have a wealth of knowledge that the Blair List listeners will just appreciate and get so much value from. So I appreciate you taking the time and let's jump into it. I'm so excited. And like, (laughs) one thing I just want to say, like, I'm all about paying it forward. And I think this industry needs a lot more of it. And that's like the first thing I want to start with. I know you have questions, but however I can help, because I wouldn't be here today without the people who took a chance on me when I just sent them a cold pitch email and was like, can I have 10 minutes of your time? So anything for you. (laughs) You're the best. So you've worked on so many major brands from L'Oreal to Revlon, and most recently working as a social strategist for President Joe Biden's campaign, which we will jump into. But as always on the podcast, we like to start at the beginning. So where are you from and what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, that's a great question. So where am I from? I'm a military brat. So I have moved 11 times and that's really who's what, what made me fall in love with the internet, but I'm going to call home DC for this case, but I've, I've moved so many times. Um, and then what did I wanted to be when I grow up? I actually wanted to be, um, like a CSI person. I was so <laughs> obsessed. You no, know, like, do you remember also like RIP Toys R Us, but there used to be like these crime kits that you could buy. And like every birthday and Christmas, my parents would get me these like forensic science kits. And I'm, I'm, I kid you not. Like I, my parents were like, he, this is going to do it. Like I had the powders. I had all the things I, I had oh like every God. family member, um, fingerprinted. Like I was so <laughs> engrossed. And, and I'm not, I'm going to tell you when it changed is I remember the issue of Teen Vogue I picked up and it was when it was, um, uh, the kids from, um, Harry Potter, who now, uh, Rupert Gint, uh, Emma Watson and, and Daniel Radcliffe were on the cover. And I remember picking this up and like, literally that's when I got obsessed and I started watching the Hills and it was all a spiral from there. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that. Cause I feel like when I think about going to FIT in my experience, you were really one of the first, like internet kids, I want to say, because at the time Tumblr was like the only thing that was out. There was no Instagram, like social media was just starting to come out. Tumblr was the entire internet. Like you went on Tumblr, you reblog things, you found out about trends. Like that was the epitome at the time. And I feel like I thought it was the coolest thing ever that you were working there when we were so young. And I was mentioning before we started this interview that Uh, you invited me to like a few different events. And I feel like I'm from Miami. I moved to New York when I was 18. It was a huge culture shock for me. And being exposed to such a strong, vibrant community at such a young age was super influential for me. So I want to know how that influenced you when you were, you know, young and living in New York, you know, trying to chase your dreams. 
yeah, I mean, especially again, as someone that moved so many times, I lived in Minot, North Dakota, Bossier City, Louisiana, and like all over the United States, like the internet became such a permanent part of me. Like, I think, you know, this, I have like a Wi-Fi tattoo here on my wrist. Um, so these communities impacted me because it, you got to connect with everyone, no matter where they were. I remember like reading Brian Boy, and I still do, and like all these OG bloggers and stuff, and just seeing if you just put yourself out there, like what like could happen and what it could bring to you. And that it, in itself was just so interesting to me. And that's like when I found FIT and I fell in love with it, like let me move to New York. And then, you know, you started to meet like Tumblr people IRL. It's, it's crazy though, that we grew up where everyone told us like, don't meet strangers on the internet. That's all we do now. We <laughs> that's get literally into, all we do. <laughs> we get into cars that don't belong to us, like all these crazy things. Um, so hopefully that answers your question, you know, like it, all those people impacted me in, in different ways, because I think I'm really fortunate too, because since I moved so many times, I never was stuck in a bubble. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Not everyone is you know, fortunate that a, a job or a career can have them move or like their family. But with me, it really exposed me to the world and the U S which then, um, impacted my view on, on how I wanted to approach everything I did in my life. I love that. Definitely didn't forget that you had a blog too. Okay. I remember you got like the ultimate co-sign from Tim Gunn and I just was like, oh my God, I know him. Like that was just so wild. I remember like going to fashion week and being so enamored with this life that seemed so out of reach at the time because I was so young and I just started at FIT and it was like a whole new world for me. And I feel like you totally just took everything by storm. Like you never took no for an answer. You always just jumped straight into things and went after what you wanted. And I really admire that. What do you credit your fearlessness to and being such a fearless networker? Um, honestly, it was just reaching out to people and like the worst thing they could do is say no. Like I was like, I want to make a blog. I see everyone else making a blog. So I figured it out. It wasn't perfect at first. You know, we, well, I think we all started on Blogspot or something like yes, that. Yes. And then, you know, you learn. And then I was like, oh, you know, I went to another uh, platform, um, that I won't say their name, uh, because I get into hot water every now and again, uh, that, you know, is a domain <laughs> registrar. And then I had it there and then I moved to this and that. And I think really, I was just like, why, why can't I do this? Like, it doesn't matter if you're an outsider or something like that. And I do think people think, you know, there is this old guard of fashion. And I don't say that in a, a, a derogatory way at all. That is so important. Like people need to study the early days of fashion history. We had that class at FIT. And I think you need to do more and show more documentaries because people can't forget about the photographers and the artists and stuff that came before that have inspired generations worth of content. Um, but basically just doing that and just thinking strate strategically, honestly, it was that it's like, okay, I want to get to this person. So then how can I find my way there? Um, I will say like one of the best things that did help me was the fact that I started in DC and then I started understanding like regional press versus like national press and things like that. So whenever I would go to local DC events, because we did have high-end stores there, Saks, Neiman's, um, you know, other boutiques in Georgetown, um, the designers did come there for their trunk shows. No one was interviewing them. So you just send an email. I have a small local blog and they need local sales just as much as they need the national sales from department stores. So, you know, my advice to anyone is, you know, do the research of your local area. And, you know, sometimes you can't, you can't go big at first, you know, yes, I, you know, tell anyone like, go, go for it, go for your dreams, but just be strategic or else you're going to burn yourself out because then you're going to be like, I don't see results. So if you start like local, regionally, locally, and then keep growing, you're going to be like, check, 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 check. And then you can get to fashion week. 
Yes. I love that. You've worked in so many different parts of the beauty industry, most notably for Revlon and L'Oreal. Can you talk to me about your experiences there and how working at these companies helped shape your perception of beauty? Totally. I I remember interviewing for my role at L'Oreal. And I think that's totally fine. I talk about it now. It's like, I won't say anything bad. I I really enjoyed my experience at L'Oreal. I worked on a small brand called Dermal Blend and it was my first time working professionally in beauty besides like in my old YouTube days, I did Mansa Mondays and things like that. So I had like a street smart version, uh, street smart, smart, um, level of knowledge, excuse me. And, and then now I was getting that book smart, like being at the number one beauty company in the world and like going to the factories and, and things like that. I mean, they are so smart in everything they are doing and the brands they acquire um, and how they position them all. I learned so much. I would recommend to anyone, if you ever have the opportunity to work at L'Oreal, do it, but do your homework. They, they Every country has a different amount of brands. I think the U.S. has surpassed like 37 brands. Um, they're opening up a new headquarters in L.A. because they're expanding out there. Um, but they have the secret formula for success. Like they know what to do and, and they know how to do it right. Um, and I was fortunate to work on a smaller brand, too, in, in the portfolio, um, which is so important because some of the bigger brands like, you know, they are how they are. This is across all beauty. Like it's, 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 that's how they want to. They maybe don't experiment as much, but when you're on a smaller brand in a big conglomerate, you can maybe, you don't have as big as budgets, but you can try new things. And if you can experiment and improve with numbers, um, you can impress people very quickly. Um, and then we did that at Dermablend by really, really aggressively gifting talent and, and influencers um, with the product. Yeah. So, you know, gas yourself up a little bit. I heard you, uh, you know, got the setting powder from number nine to number seven, just saying. Yeah. So during my time there, um, I don't know where it is. It falls today. I haven't looked at MPD data, but I know during my time there, we did move it. And MPD beauty data is like tracks everything, every category. And we moved that setting powder using organic, like every time, uh, you know, let me back up. Like you have to look at your brand. And like, what are your hero skews? You know, you, you're going to have those things that are your bread and butter are going to sell with everything. So anytime there was a new product launch setting powder in the box, anytime someone was like, Hey, I need some more foundation, but an extra setting powder in the box. Hey, sometimes, you know, someone wanted the setting powder. I threw in two to three more and being like, this is for you. This is a giveaway. And this is for a friend because you don't know where your powder is going to end up. And then also including in boxes, hey, if you don't want these products, actually, please donate them to a local shelter. I think that's so important um, to because so many uh, bigger uh, beauty people and smaller ones get so much product that they don't use it all. And I really hope they're not throwing it away. Um, I really hope if you if you don't use it, that's what I tried to start there was please donate to a shelter. This was not my invention. I saw other brands doing it, but adopted it for the brand. But yeah, that's, that's the thing. If you have a, a manager who will believe in you and let you try things, um, do it you know, just, you got to pitch and you got to prove, especially in a big company. When influencer marketing first came out, it really was the wild west. Like no one really knew what was happening. Everyone was kind of throwing things at the wall, hoping something stuck. What was one of your biggest takeaways of working in influencer marketing? I think, I mean, my opinion and ideas change every day. There's a lot of people that go out there and they say the word expert. I don't like the word expert because you can be, but I like key opinion leader, like you can have an opinion, but because it is the wild west and it does change quite a bit um, every day. I think everyone just needs to stay on their toes. That's just one thing I wanted to mention, but like some key things they learned is like, excuse me, was macros aren't everything. Um, you know, everyone wanted 
the the people with a million, two million, five million plus. Um, that that wasn't necessarily always the best strategic thing because they had so many products, they were doing so many endorsement deals. You know, then how much does their integrity stay intact? And I'm not I'm not tagging or dragging or this is no shade to anyone, but when someone with ten thousand followers gets a thousand likes, like that's an amazing engagement rate, and that, then you know that local following is going to be more hyped when they get that brand deal or they're like, thank you brand X for my product. So really think about your, your micro strategy. I mean, it's, a, you got to gift a lot more people, but you know, they're the ones really putting in a lot of work into like beautiful content because they're working against everything, the algorithm, the system, the establishment, you know, I'm not neglecting anyone that's at the top and like what they do um, and all of that. But you know, how I even said in the beginning, like pay it forward, like work with a small person because you don't know who they're going to be. And if you ignore them, you know, and then maybe in a year, then you're going to actually, they're going to be like, oh, well now you have to pay me because I didn't, you didn't send me that free product at one time. You know, you really have to think about that. And I want to stop there on that note too. You have to pay people what they're worth. Free product doesn't pay the bill. So as a brand, you can send out a million free gifts in my opinion, but you can't expect anything. You can only expect something once there is a transaction. I have to be completely honest, especially in this day and age, like you have to pay creatives what they're worth. People have been out of work and they're hurting. And yes, free product is so nice. And, you know, people do use it and that, that, that takes care of an expense for them, but you, you know, you, how it is. We both had our blogs and things like that. And we were, you know, you, you need that to reassure also the industry as a whole, that you are a business and you should be taken seriously. I love that. And I think it's so important to emphasize that because clout does not pay the bills. And there have been so many times where I've worked with brands big and small, and they think that because someone is an influencer, because it is such a new industry relatively, it is changing all the time. And people don't understand that it's a real life job now. Being a content creator is a full-time job where people make a living off of this and they spend their time and energy coming up with creative ways to incorporate brands into content that's organic to their following that makes sense for the brand. And in the end, you know, delivers whatever the brand is looking for, whether it's brand awareness or transaction, it's so important to give credit where credit's due. And I really want to emphasize what you said about micro influencers, because when you're looking at engagement rates, I've worked with influencers with a million followers and people with 10,000 followers. And those with smaller followings usually have way higher engagement rates. They actually usually have higher transaction rates as well. And I think that the landscape is changing where people are focusing a little bit more on micro influencers because they put a little bit more time, dedication and effort because they're newer to the game and newer to the space. And I think that my friends who are influencers who have like, you know, under 50,000 followers, they always go above and beyond. They are always doing something extra, taking extra pictures because they want to establish that strong relationship with the brand. And I think that, you know, brands shouldn't take that for granted just because they have a lower follower count. I completely agree with you right there. And then one thing I want to just add on, if you're cool with it, with when it comes to the influencer industry, and this is not to, you know, any of the companies I've worked for, this is just something I've noticed over the years is that there's a lot of companies out there that do these, you know, influencer platforms and agencies that analyze all the data. And my biggest thing is like what I like to communicate up to leadership on the organizations I worked for is, is trust me, you hired me, trust me to execute the strategy because sometimes they will go to one of these, you know, 
one day seminars or read something and there's a new buzzword. So then you get an email that's like, what is our strategy for new platform X? You can't be on everything and it's okay to not be on anything. This is now coming from me speaking from a brand side. You have to know who you are as a brand. And once you know what those platforms are, then you go after the influencers that do that platform well. You know, you 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 will, as a social media manager, burn out if you try to do everything all. And it's hard to speak to leadership and and communicate this to them. Trust me, I, you know, did not do this well at certain points in my career. You have to acknowledge those points, but I have gotten smarter. And as I get to up to different points in my career, like I am now, and I have an amazing manager and, and she's super hands-off, but in the best way possible, because I will bring her the results. And then I, when I bring her something that I want to try, I'm like, here's reasons X, Y, and Z supported by data. Let's do it. And we go for it. That is hard when you're, you know, maybe a, a junior social media person, a coordinator level uh, and things like that. But what I tell everyone is remember they hired you for a reason. So remind them why they hired you. So true. I think, especially when you're lower on the totem pole, working in an industry like social media, it's difficult to, um, you kind of have to like always prove your worth in a way. Yeah. And I think that, yes, there is a time where you have to pay your dues because it is what it is. We've all been there. We've all, yes, we you know, slaved at fashion weeks and done things that, you know, weren't ideal, but in the end they taught us things that were super vital for the future. And I think that, um, that's a, such a great point to remember that you were hired for a reason and at least to have confidence within yourself to speak up or to say, Hey, you know, I think, we should try something else, look at the data that backs it up and, you know, be that person that is an advocate for getting a brand to do something for the first time, because you never know where it could take you. You really don't look at some of these brands that are just playing on TikTok and now they have huge followings or people that just send a really random, crazy tweet response to someone and it just blows up. Like, you know, some things are going to stick and some things aren't, but you know, there are a lot of good case studies out there and resources now from social media week to, you know, social uh, CRM platforms that, um, you know, they do their own summit. So just look around for data and like, let's be honest in this industry, you're going to always have to, like you mentioned, prove your worth. So do that extra homework and, and who knows where that role could take you because as social becomes more and more prominent, we just spent a whole year indoors where social probably took precedent at most companies. They probably shifted budgets if they weren't hurting financially. Um, and that adds a lot of responsibilities onto a person that they didn't normally have. So just educate yourself, free classes online if you can. Um, and, and it does pay off. That's what I can only say is like, I, I remember being that young junior person and being like, oh my gosh, I'm uh, like, you know, so stressed and so crazed. And now I'm like so fortunate where I am today. And now I'm like trying to like tell everyone. And I know it's not easy to always see the finish line. I'm not even close to the finish line. Um, but I'm like, no, no, try, trust me. Like I've, I've been there now. I know now, no, now I know what my people that have told me before too. They're like, we've all been there um, and you will get through it. It's like a self-help session. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, is this a therapy session for me? Um, I think the number one word is patience. Mm -hmm. We live in a society where we are so used to getting everything immediately. Instant gratification with social media, with Amazon delivery, like getting your groceries delivered. We have convenience at our fingertips. And I think that sometimes when it comes to our career, especially when you work in digital, it's hard to remember that, Yes, you're working hard. Yes, you're doing everything that you need to do, but you really need to have patience. And yeah. that is how you get through it. <laughs> you're so right for saying that. That that's a really great point. And and that's another thing maybe, you know, you 
as a social media person or no matter where on the total pole, like work with your leadership and being like, Hey, like what, what could be a better expected turnaround on this? Because yes, social needs to be immediate, but you are also one human. Maybe then it's time to hire an intern or a coordinator. And like, how can we do that? So you, they're going to have a lot of uncomfortable conversations during your career. If you choose to do social full forever, like I, have. <laughs> but, um, and you don't learn how to have these conversations until you have them and they're uncomfortable in the moment, but just being honest with your manager is, uh, it has helped me. And sometimes has it, you know, bit me in the butt sometimes too. Yes. Um, but you just have to work through it and, and, you know, play the long game. Yeah. And I think it's all about being uncomfortable and having these uncomfortable conversations really allow you to grow. Cause even Mm -hmm. if you speak up for yourself and maybe you feel like it wasn't the right thing to do, you learned a lesson and it's never a failure. It's always something that you can learn from it. Oh yeah. I've messed up in my career and I'll let you ask your next question. I have had a manager come down on me. And I think that's almost made me better in the role when I have failed because you're not always going to have a perfect day. And sometimes you need to, and then I'm not going to lie, go have that good cry and then go right back (laughs) to your desk and then, you know, be like, okay, how can I, how can I fix this? How can I correct it? Or, you know, damage is done. We have to move forward. How do you do that? Let me crush something else and then prove like, sorry that happened. Um, but I hope no one thinks that everyone is perfect in an organization because that is far from the truth, especially in beauty deadlines get missed all the time. So retailers get mad. Like, you know, this, I know this, I'm even in other industries, like everyone's need it yesterday and you're not, <laughs> you can't predict what people want. You can't, it's not possible. Oh, if only we could, how much easier yeah. life would be. <laughs> what is one thing that you wish influencers would stop doing? Ooh, stop doing interesting. Oh, stop doing like, um, overvaluing yourself. Well, I butchered that or undervaluing yourself because you throw off the entire industry. And that is why influencer marketing is still such a mess. Agencies don't have transparent pricing. You don't know how much this one singular post should actually be worth. I do not have the answer nor you know, any solution to the problem, but it does really hurt everyone because then maybe I could actually afford this other person, but I had such a bad time with X that I don't even want to talk to someone at that level anymore. You know, maybe we could have actually worked something out. Um, that is so important. Like I have no easy answer. A lot of brands out, uh, not brands, but, um, platforms have their own versions of influencer calculators that take engagement and other metrics, um, and give you a number. I don't think those are perfect either. either. This again is an uncomfortable conversation, but I looked at this when I did my blog and my YouTube is like, every time I got a new press hit, that was new exposure for me as I grew, as I did really great brand deals. And if brand deal before me, X paid me this for X amount of posts, blog posts, this, um, then that was my new normal, uh, day rate or number, unless I talked to the brand and was like, well, then we need to have a contract that says we're going to do this, but then already have me sign an IO, um, for like something down the line, because also I don't want to lower the number. And then you don't have budget. I put that in quotes for people that can't see in another <laughs> quarter because that does happen. I've worked on the brand side and I've been on the talent. I have been the talent when I had my manager back in my YouTube and blogging days. Um, you know, that's what I would really recommend to talent is just, you, you have to know your worth. It's an uncomfortable again, conversation. Um, but don't be sometimes afraid to shoot your shot. If that's what you think you're worth and you can justify it, you have to get smart as an influencer. You have to have that media kit. You have to do the research. It is a business. And if you don't do well, just as much as like a brand, I would want to work with someone. People don't want to work with, um, on the other side, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, things don't want to work with uh, influencers because they they don't understand it or it wasn't tr tr transparent on what they were going to get. So then brands get scared, influencers get scared, and everyone's running, you know, around kind of like chickens with their heads chopped off in a way. Uh, I have seen it. Again, I wish I had the solution. I, this is kind of like a half answer, but that's what I would say. I think also just like being enjoyable to work with. Yeah. Like it's so, be. it's so crazy. Like a lot of influencers, they, they come in with this like holier than thou attitude. And no matter how many followers you have, no matter what you've accomplished, I've been in so many situations where brands that I've worked with in the past don't, they, they don't work with an influencer because they had a bad experience with them. No matter if they're going to bring you a bunch of money, they're like, we don't even want to deal with it. So I think like being enjoyable to work with, being flexible, having confidence within yourself, knowing what you're <laughs> worth, all of those things together, it'll work out. Yeah. You, you know, you're, you are so right. And, and, you know, build, you know, a relationship too. Like, you know, everyone's a human in, involved in this. So as much as you said, like be enjoyable, like have a conversation on the brand side, ask them when their birthday is and things like that. Don't make it always transactional. Okay. If you want to make it transactional, that's cool. But then that's like where in my current role, I'm hitting up people. I had amazing experiences with at all my previous roles. And, and now, and that's for that exact reason, because I'm like, I know you can deliver and you were a delight to work with. I have budget come, let's do some cool things again. Exactly. Oh, my and then, no, sorry, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but in this industry, also social medias, we all social media managers, we all talk to each other. It is a real Everyone. thing. Everyone. Such we, a good point. <laughs> so this goes to platforms. This goes to influencers, other brands, things like that. We know what's up. And like, we also have the ability, like we're the ones doing RFPs, like giving our opinions, like don't be shady to one of us because then you come for all of us. Like, I have to say that, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> we need, we need like a coalition of social media managers because we've all been through the ringer, especially when it comes to influencers. Oh yeah. One thing that I will say, my friend, Emily, who's a, a beauty and lifestyle influencer, she writes handwritten cards every year at the end of the year to every single person that she's worked with. And it has paid off so many times for her. Like they, this one brand ended up giving her like a year long deal. And Amazing. It, like, that's just a simple tip. If you're listening and you want to get into, you know, influencer work, just sending a handwritten card or, you know, like you said, remembering a birthday, little things like that really go such a long way, especially when you're working in this field, people get so wrapped up in the day to day that when someone does something nice for you, you're like, Whoa, what happened? And it goes just so much further. I, I think that's incredible. And, and yes, uh, retweet, endorse all of that because, <laughs> you know, that, that will make a social media manager's life just one life. step better. They'll probably add that card to like their desk. I guarantee you. A hundred percent. And like you said, what could come out of that? Because that person will remember that you were so kind because what, what, what talent and influencers don't realize on the other side that, you know, there's demanding, there's KPIs, there are things to be met. Um, and it, it's no one's fault. If, well, depending if those things don't get hit. However, when you're able to be like, it was great. This was super fun of a project. I hope we can do another one and do that outside of an email. Wow. They know you sat down and you took time. Blair, I endorse that so much. <laughs> Love that. What are some key tips that you would give to someone who wants to brand themselves? You're not going to get it right on the first shot. So that if, if you change it in a year, that's so okay. Like what you start with is not who you're going to be in a year or two years. Like as you brand yourself, that yourself is already like, you're already learning and growing because you're taking that initiative. So grow with it, change things up. It's okay. Um, also while you brand yourself, 
have conversations with others. And again, you know, some people are going to say, no, they don't have time to chat and things like that. And that's okay. You know, you, at least you asked, but you know, and, and talk to people that are bigger than you, smaller than you, uh, maybe that are not even in your industry because you wouldn't even know like that's just a good outside way of thinking by, by talking to someone that's maybe in the food and beverage, uh, you know, uh, blogger or something like that. That's like just things off the top of my head with like, <laughs> without having anything prepared, but just like, um, yeah. Uh, and then also be adaptable because things are going to change. Like while you start maybe on a blog, um, you're definitely going to need other social platforms. Um, but you know, just do it to the best of your ability and, and find what your strengths are and then being like, okay, maybe I'm, I'm actually really good at TikTok and writing, boom, but I have the other platforms that I need to be on there. And again, that comes back to your brand and that could change. And then maybe you actually fall in love with just making a TikTok and you stop doing your blog. Who knows? What are your Such thoughts? Such a great answer. No, I completely agree. I think that creators are really hard on themselves. We try to be perfect the first time that we release something, drop something. I mean, I know for myself, like I wanted to start a podcast for probably a year before I actually dropped it because I was like, I need it to be perfect. I need it to look like this. I need it to do this. And as I'm like, you know what? I'm going to stop. I'm just going to drop it. And as time has gone on, like so many things have changed that I feel like flexibility and adaptability without being hard on yourself is like the most important thing a creator can learn. What do you think allows someone to cultivate a successful community online? Authenticity, nothing beyond that. Like you, uh, platforms can clone what other platforms are doing, but you cannot clone community. That is not possible. How people, you know, interact with your product. Um, and same thing with an influencer, like, um, they trust you. And also once you lose that trust, it's going to be very hard to get back. Um, people can smell inauthentic people a mile away. Now we, we are so inundated. Um, I think that's the right, no, we're just so over, uh, exposed, um, to tons of content creators and things like that. Now that you, you know, what you like and what you don't like, and you're going to swipe up or, you know, left, right, up, down, who knows what gap is, um, <laughs> within like a couple of seconds, if you're like, Oh, this is not for me. So, you know, just that, that's a, a really important thing is authenticity because yeah, I've seen so many people and like, uh, you can just feel if it's not genuine or they're just doing it to be transactional. And, and I don't like that. I want every partnership and thing I do to be, uh, feel like a, a, a quote unquote relationship in the end that I know I'm giving you a paycheck, but you're not just like, thank you, check, you know, let me go cash it. It needs to feel so much real. And that's, you know, brand to influencer and then influencer to their community. Uh, yeah. They need to actually feel like you care about them and that you're not, they're not just you know, uh, a revenue stream for you that they're not just people like get into those comments and, and respond. Remember who your OGs were, those people that got, gave you those likes on that, like first or second brand deal. Um, you have to, you can't forget where you started because we all started at the bottom and then grew. So true. And it's so interesting to see how Instagram really went from being this like picture perfect type of platform where everything is over edited and everything is, you know, presets and professional cameras and things have changed so much recently about like when it comes to having a platform it's really all about the people who are saying uncomfortable things or being super honest and real where they feel vulnerable those are the people that are growing and cultivating that community and so I just want to echo like authenticity is absolutely key 
Let's jump into your current role at Airtime. Can you talk to me a little bit about what you do and what the company is for people who don't know? Yeah. Um, So Airtime is like a live social space. So you can get on the app and like join other public rooms that are like uh, things that you like and enjoy. There are people talking about, uh, you know, hip hop. There are like me. uh, Oh, I should even start it. So I'm the beauty community lead for Airtime. (laughs) Sorry. So I'm fine. I'm, I'm in charge of like growing and expanding the beauty community that is on Airtime, but it's, it's also about not even just doing like I hate using the word normal, but what you would think is traditionally beauty. Like I want people doing meditation and words of affirmation. I want that inner, that outer glow. You know, it's about so much more. Don't wear makeup, wear makeup, whatever you want. You know, let's have those conversations. But then on airtime, (laughs) sorry, uh, going back to go forward, you know, you can hop on and just meet new people around the world. Um, by hopping into rooms of like, whatever the, if the title catches your eye and you're like, oh my gosh, this sounds super cool. And you have people doing makeup to match, uh, you know, things, uh, from Disney and, um, other people talking, like I said, hip hop and so many other things. It's a, it's a really amazing app. I'm so honored to work here and I'm so excited to see where they go. And every day we're just like doing crazy, amazing things. I love that. And I know you were mentioning to me that you're fully remote Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's like a company wide thing, but I think that that's so amazing because it also emphasizes the changing landscape of corporate companies and how that flexibility really allows you to work in different places, be exposed to different things. And I think in the end, be so much more creative. So I, I hope that in the future, a lot of companies will continue to do so because of you know the pandemic and realizing that people can work productively when they're not in the office. Yeah, I, I love it. I'm, I'm again, really like honored to have that uh, and privileged to have that ability to do that. You know, um, uh, you know, I don't know if things are going to change or whatever, you know, based on the world, but I know we do have like, you know, our New York office and I do plan to go in just to be like meet people because I have never met any of my coworkers IRL, just like when I was on the Biden campaign. Um, we all started remotely and I still haven't met anyone because I, you know, just got my final vaccination like two weeks ago. So now whenever I go to DC and visit them, I'm excited to meet them. Um, but, but yeah, um, I really encourage everyone if I can do a little plug, you know, you should download the app, explore, experiment, stay tuned. A lot of fun things coming. Yes. I'm totally downloading the app right after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and see, look, look at this. Like, this is just a conversation. We also were like, let's catch up and like, look, already two things, like what, what B2B things could we do to then benefit influencers and things like that? Like super excited. Again, everyone just take the chance, reach out to someone. You don't know what you could possibly I know we do. literally don't haven't ask. spoken in years, but I'm like, I'm going to reach out anyway. And maybe but we, double tap, <laughs> but we double tap on each other's photos. That's like also like such a funny thing. That's where we get that. Maybe you don't check in with someone, but when you know, they're at least, I hate to say it like alive because you see a photo update or something, right. And, you know, and then, then you have this like serendipitous moment. And now like, look, it feels like we haven't even missed a beat. We just jumped right into this. We had a little chat before, but even that was like, you're like, Hey, how are you? Like, holy crap. It was 10 years ago. We went to school <laughs> and like, you know, we're old that, now. Oh God, I know we are. And also, I don't know if you walked by FIT recently. They've completely redone the campus. Oh my God, stop. I went to New York literally <sighs> maybe four weeks ago. And every time I'm in the city, I always go to FIT just like to reminisce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to just walk by. Okay. And I did like a full walk through the campus and I'm like, okay, when I lived here on campus, my dorm was disgusting. First of all, they like revamped the entire thing. I of course lived in like the 
the community bathroom, like the communal bathroom one. I think it was like Nagler. Yeah. Okay. The whole campus looks so different. Everything is like glass and brand new. And there was a whole structure that's that was next to um, like across from the museum. They like broke down the walls and turned everything into a glass building. I'm like, okay, you know that it's been a minute <laughs> when you walk by and you're like, I don't even recognize this. I... Yes, it is so crazy. But can I actually tell you something I really want? I actually really want to become yes. an adjunct professor for like- Oh my the, God. Uh, for advertising and marketing communication. I fully I look, support that. I yeah, love I look, that. I look all the time, but that's like, I, I mean, I don't oh. know how many classes I could do or what I'm required to, but I really want to become an adjunct because I think what's so great and to everyone listening, if you're not in school or want to go back, you know, all the, all, all the professors have to have like very relevant industry experience. And then also I believe still be active in their respective industry, um, respective industry. And I, I, I just feel like, again, what can I give back and like help people grow? Um, because then that makes me feel really good because again, I look back to all the people that gave me a shot. Maybe I could give multiple people, you know, a lot of words of advice like this. Um, and like that, because I, I like the education. It was so different. It was so 100%. unlike anywhere else. Like you're not going to find anywhere else. Like learning, like, oh, I felt like prepared for the real world. Like once I oh, left yeah. there, I was like, oh, I'm, I can handle anything because it was low key, very hard. Like, even though it was a fashion school, people don't realize that it was, it's a state of New York school. So you, yes. I had to take four years of math, four years of English, like all of that kind of stuff, chemistry, like everything you can think of. And I think that that coupled with advertising and marketing communications and fashion classes and everything that we had to do, like makes you so well-rounded, especially because like you were saying, all the teachers like were amazing. I remember my PR teacher was like the global head of communications for Revlon when, uh, when I was like 18 years old and I'm like, oh my God, that's so cool. It's like attainable. You know, you're meeting someone and you can ask them for real life advice. Like, do you think I should do X, Y, and Z? And I still keep in touch with some of the teachers that I had on LinkedIn. Like there are a few that like really, really impacted me that I still follow and stuff. And when I celebrated my two-year work anniversary for Bacardi, so many of them reached out to me where I was like, you have so many students. Like you really remember me? I felt like honored because they were just they made such an impact in my life. I think that, and that's so important when any teacher makes an impact in anyone's life, because I have family members that are teachers and, you know, they're not all like paid really well and things like that. And like, one thing I, I wanted to mention though, on FIT too, like how you mentioned it prepares us for the real world. Like at first I was like, oh my gosh, death by group projects, but that's so important because everything you do in no matter what you're, you're going to be on like teams or this or that, um, doing, you know, we, you know, at certain industry industries, excuse me, <laughs> at certain companies, organizations, you know, we used, um, like Google for business. So you're all in the slides together, working on it. Like, and you, and it, it is a real thing. Still people don't do their slides. And you're like, this is due at like 10 AM tomorrow. Like, like, I don't know your part. Like now I can't even fake it. I'm not in your, like your, your part of the business. Like, I can't tell you what numbers are going to get generated from this. Um, and then also taking those like Excel classes and those type of things. That is something I much I hated in the moment to learn how to super use Excel. Wow. Has saved me a million times as I'm making massive spreadsheets. So another plug, if anyone's interested in about FIT, I'm sure Blair could answer more questions. Uh, I could answer more questions. I, I want to go back and get my master's in fragrance and cosmetic marketing. Oh my so God. Really like can. you're literally making me want to be an adjunct professor right now. 
like I don't know I mean even if I did it even if I was like an online professor I don't know like how the rules are but yeah. I took online courses there I just uh, yeah like why not and then you can identify people and be like let me offer you an internship like that's a real thing I saw a lot of people you know go to places their professors work because they're like they identified you and they're like I want to hire you uh it's a real thing and yes I gave up like not having Greek life or something, but I didn't mean it. I didn't want that personally, you know? No, I literally am totally okay with that. Like I'm okay with that. I'm like real good. (laughs) Yeah. I found out we had a mascot like my senior year. Oh my God. Yeah. Tigers. It was a tiger. (laughs) I was like, guys, this is not on brand for us. Like I thought it was going to be something like fashion related, like go, go, go tigers. I'm like, Oh God. Okay. We have sports teams. Who like knew? I know, like down in the basement gym. I took, oh my gosh, we, we'll have to gab about that because I, I have advice for anyone that wants to go there, like what you, what classes to take and what not to take. Because I was like, oh, I'm going to take an 8 a.m. tennis course, my uh, class, my first year. The same, I did the same thing, but for yoga and it like gave me anxiety. <laughs> like yoga is supposed to make you calm. I would go to 8 a.m. yoga being like, oh my God, why am I here? Yeah. And it's like a two hour class. <laughs> ah, look, the things we went through. Oh it's my gosh. It's so crazy. Again, and um, when I when I left the Biden campaign, actually, and I posted on LinkedIn that I was looking for a role, it was crazy the amount of people that were like, hey, I'm at this organization, but I went to FIT, we should chat. That is a real thing. Like these industry-centric schools, people will reach out to you and be they will want to have a conversation at least because mm-hmm. you have that shared experience. So true. So let's jump into you working on President Joe Biden's campaign, a historic moment in U.S. history. We have the first v- female VP, you know, it's a turning point and such a sigh of relief, I think, compared to all of the tumultuous things that we've experienced together. And I think that it's amazing that you were a part of something so monumental. So how did you land that opportunity and what did you do there? Yeah. Thank, first of all, thank you for the question. And like, I, I, I just have to preface, like, I'm so honored to have been a part of it. Uh, it still doesn't feel real sometimes, even though it definitely was. I remember the late nights, but how did it all come to be? So um, my YouTube manager, uh, Lisa Filippelli, um, I'm still friends with her. I obviously don't do YouTube anymore. Um, she reps a whole bunch of different talent and her talent were heavily involved with Hillary's campaign uh, and Hillary's social team. So that when uh, the Biden campaign uh, basically expanded uh, the social team, they brought on someone from Hillary's team to lead it. And um, she put out like a tweet, but I wasn't, I didn't know who this person was. Her name's Sarah Galvez. Um, you know, I, I didn't know who she was, um, but Lisa was like, Ryan should definitely apply for this role, things like that. Like, and again, it's keeping in touch. Like I talk to my former manager all the time, even though we don't work together now, like you don't know what, what, when someone's going to remember you um, down, you know, when, when something pops up and I had lost my, my job because of COVID, I was COVID impacted. And I thought that was the end of the world because I'd never been laid off before. And so that's one thing I want to mention is like, if you get laid off, it's not because of you, it's because the business is having issues. Um, so I had to remember that. So anyway, so I applied for this role and they explained to me, like they wanted people like that were not the political norm because this was not a normal election in any way, shape or form. Um, and yeah, I had a couple interviews and then, I mean, I got the call. It was like nine o'clock at night too, at, in on East coast time. And Sarah, you know, was like, are you ready to do this? And I was like, yes. And and it was like calling almost like you don't say no to that. Like you're like, and, and also for various other reasons, like I, like I need to do my part um, in any way, shape or form. Um, and then before I knew it, I was doing all the paperwork and this and that. And then I got to announce it and they hired a stellar team of people. And I specifically on the campaign um, uh, executed Joe Biden's um, vertical social strategy. So that meant like Snapchat, um, Instagram story, um, YouTube story, Facebook story. 
that type of uh, world. And I learned so much and I had to learn so much on the job because I can take a product and execute it. So I knew Joe, Joe Biden's our product, the campaign, his policies are, our, you know, our benefits and, and things like that. Um, but, you know, we needed to package it and like present it in, in snackable and understandable things um, and all like that. And I, I worked with a crazy talented team of people who, you know, they were creating content for their verticals. They, I got, you know, they shared it with me. I was doing things with mine. How can we utilize in-app features like a Instagram uh, the quiz feature, how can we then translate that to Snapchat? So we're working smarter, not harder. You know, there's only so many hours in the day and everything has to be out the door by uh, not even November 4th, because even though November 4th election day, so many people mailed in their ballots and voted early. That was so important too. So we had to be ready and get enough of our information out. Um, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm like speaking so much. No, no, <laughs> it brings no. back so much. It was Please so continue. Crazy. It's so amazing to see it from your perspective. Cause I feel like yeah. I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I was home watching the news for a majority of the past year by myself. And I remember not realizing how affected I was by everything that I was watching, especially working in social media and being exposed to so many different types of media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and getting all of these, you know, different forms of communication at once. And I didn't realize how much it affected me until they won and until they were inaugurated. And I just like broke down. Like, I just like, I, I just cried because we, everyone was put through so much this past year and seeing something positive finally happen was just like a turning point. I think in my life, for sure. I think I felt like a thousand pounds lifted off my shoulder and to be able to talk to you who was so heavily involved in the social aspect of things, you know, I would go on Twitter and people would be like, shout out to Joe Biden's social team because they're killing it right now. Whoever he hired, they're on the ball. You know that he hired like young, hungry, ambitious people that knew their shit, that knew what they were doing. And it, it's just like amazing to see it from your perspective. So please continue. <laughs> yeah, no, and like, this is a total we, I will never say, hopefully I, ne- I haven't said I, if I did, I apologize, but it is total we, like from the creative team to your policy team, to your researchers, to, you know, your fellow social um, uh, peers on the team. Like we all had to work together to, you know, make this work. There was no I whatsoever. Like it was a we moment. We did it together um, and, 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 we won. <laughs> we did it, Joe. Like, um, I mean, I just remember like <laughs> when, when we found out and like, I, and then I like, then we kind of had like, so like all that happened. Um, also let me, before I go too forward, like, you know, then, then you, then there's, you know, curveballs and, and, you know, like when Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, died, justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, like you can't predict that. Like I, I'm not a politico at heart. So I, you know, I'm learning from my, 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 a digital director I'm learning from it, just reading the information coming in like how people handle these type of situations and you know um, the compassion I saw the, and, and people truly care about our country um, and then how do you translate that through social and you know this 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 man who you know has been in politics for um, a good amount of time which makes him so experienced and he knows what he's talking about I mean I, I just go I could go on this could be a whole separate we might have to do a part <laughs> two but I just I will never forget where I was when we found out and we as a team got on you know, our, our Google Hangout. And um, yeah, I remember when we, we published like the victory assets and, and things like that, because we had to wait for things to come in and like, holy, oh my God, because we, you know, everyone was waiting. And then when it got announced and, you know, uh, in the rush of adrenaline, like every time and 
you know, there was sleepless nights and, um, and all like that, but I, I, I couldn't have done it without the team I worked with, honestly, Sarah and, and the, the whole the digital uh, uh, team and the organization hired amazing people. And I, I will be thankful for working with them forever. I can't wait to meet them in person. Um, I've, I've had FaceTimes with people. I've seen them all on Zoom, obviously, but I've never hugged them. Like we've never got to celebrate together yet, which is so crazy. There were no inaugural balls and things like that. And that's normally when you, when you do that. Um, and I, I totally understand. I'm not trying to be like selfish or anything. I, I just can't wait um, because I do hope we have that moment because I think <laughs> we worked really, really hard to get there. Where were you when you found out? Yeah, no, I was in my apartment um, doing the dishes and I just, I CNN, I just, you had to keep it on. Like, and we were also kind oh of God. like taking shifts overnight in case the news broke in the middle of the night. So there was definitely some sleepless nights there where it's like, I was only getting a couple hours. We were all getting a couple hours at that point, you know, and like who, who knows when it could break and then, you, you know, wake everyone up and, and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, I was in my kitchen and then I was like, oh my God. And then like, we had like a little, um, the tiny versions of, uh, I don't know what you call them now, I, I forgot, but like the tiny things of like Prosecco and champagne, and we all popped it on camera and we were like, ah, like, ah, I mean, it's all, it's bringing back a wave of memories. Like everyone on the podcast, you can't see me, but Blair, uh, Blair can, and I'm like, hands are everywhere and, um, and all like that. And then walking down Hell's Kitchen, I, I had so much vibe and swag. You've seen it on my Instagram, but I, you know, wearing it every, like when, when is the last time people did that, that hung out, like outside of their windows and cars honking? I saw it across the entire United States and the world. Like what? Like, ah, and like, you know, I'm not going around to also telling people like I worked for the man um, too, but um, it was just so great to be like, when, even like when you said that people were like, oh, the social team's crushing it. That made us feel so good because you never know, like what are people's opinions and stuff. And then to go down the street and like all these people voted not saying because of you, but they voted for the person who you believe in. Uh, that's so powerful. It's funny that you say that because I was in the shower when the news broke, right? And of oh. course I was glued to my TV for like weeks, like not sleeping. All of my friends were in group chats, like trying to figure out what's going on. Of course it breaks and I'm in the shower. Casually get out of the shower. All of a sudden I keep hearing all these noises and I'm like, what's going on? It sounds super scary. I go outside Every single person was on their balcony. I'm talking like six-year-old kids to 50-year-old men and women, like banging pots and pans. People were dancing in the street. And it was for, to experience that, like in Miami beach, which is like so random. It was the moment where like the whole country was united together at that point, whether, whether, you know, you were, for it or not, it was kind of just like a moment of unity where everyone was doing the same thing and focused on the same thing. And it was like an explosion of emotion. And I remember just like crying and seeing people just running and screaming and dancing in the street. And it's just, it's something that I will never forget. So I can only imagine your experience and how you feel because you were directly involved with a team of people who, you know, work to help make that happen. So congratulations. Thank you. No, that's so sweet. But again, it's a it, it, it team effort. And then also even down to everyone that voted, everyone had to do their part. Like so many places were so close to call. So it, it was honestly a national effort. It really case. was. I'm, I'm getting chills like all over again. Like, it, it, it almost doesn't feel real, but it did happen. It doesn't. Like, yeah. And, and, and things like that. And, and, and then 
you know, um, my time with the campaign ended. Um, I didn't want to join the presidential inaugural committee um, and things like that. Uh, in hindsight, I'm not going to lie, I wish I had just to like keep going and like seeing that inner workings of inauguration. Um, but then I was like, I need to focus on me. It took a lot out of me. I'm not a professional campaigner. Some of these individuals I worked with, um, they go campaign to campaign to campaign. If they oh don't God. take jobs in administrations, wow, don't know how they do it. So much respect so much respect because you are exhausted. This was my first one. This might be my last one. I'm not going to lie, but what, 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 who, who, we'll see. Like some people only come out for presidential elections. I learned like some people only come out for certain races. I mean, if, if, if someone asks me and like, it's so important again, it's like a calling, like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I'll have to evaluate and like, see where we're at. Um, but if, you know, as long as I believe in the person and, and all like that, that's, that's one thing that's really important to me um, for any, you know, election going forward. Um, but then I took that break and, you know, and then I, I found airtime a few months later and everything like that. And like, it just, it, uh, having these conversations like this, I haven't actually really talked about the campaign in like a hot second. It's, it's a rush of memories, a rush of emotions right now. So I'm really glad to be doing this with you. <laughs> I'm honored that you chose this time to, to talk about it. So how did you self-care after that? You know, being the beauty guru that you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm trying to think. So um, I mean, yeah, I, I came home for a little bit. I, I, my parents currently live in Mosier City, Louisiana. If you're a True Blood fan, Shreveport is across the river. Oh my God, um, I love used, True Blood. Yeah, so the filming area. Yeah, they used to film a lot of stuff down here. Uh, here, Atlanta, those type places. But I came down here um, and was like, I need to take a break. I need to take a step back from New York and everything and just like breathe. Uh, so I came down here for like over a month. Um, also because, you know, COVID was going on. So I need to come down here, quarantine for two weeks. Um, and then I stayed longer. Um, so that's kind of how I self cared as I just kind of took a step back. I watched the inauguration while I was down here. Um, I did, I, I hung out in, in New York for all of December, um, to, you know, to see my friends and, and, and things like that when, when we could, and like, just keep feeling the energy. Um, but that was how I had to self care is I really had to just like leave this giant urban city and just like, be like, whoa, 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 let's just scale back because, you know, you know, things were opening up in the city. Everyone, you know, there was outdoor dining. So everyone was like, let's go get a drink. And people wanted to have a lot of this conversation. And I, as much as I wanted to have it too, I was kind of like, I need to decompress. Like this has been the most ex like crazy time of my life. Um, though I'll, I'll work on other amazing things throughout my career. I know it, I'm manifesting it by saying it out loud. Um, this was something special I got to share with an amazing group of people. And I won't ever be able to replicate this ever. You don't like on a campaign like that. You don't. That's like a once in a lifetime thing, even for us to experience, like having, I, having like the first female VP, like the fact that Joe Biden yeah. chose Kamala to be his running mate and then seeing them win, it was just such a testament to women all over the world. It was just such a moment. So you know, thank you for sharing that. No, I really appreciate it. Yeah. And like, like I said, like how you mentioned, again, I'm, I have a fashion and political, uh, excuse me, fashion and beauty background. They brought me in for that exact reason. They brought in all of our team members who were not politicos for that reason is that they had a different background. So any person listening to this, like hit me up on Twitter, um, shoot me an email. It might take me a little bit to respond, but I'm kind of putting out the open offer and I'll do my best to respond and kind of give advice of like, you know, how do you switch, you know, when, when an opportunity, like I was fortunate, yes, I had a referral, but then, you know, how can you, can you switch in this industry? If you kind of work in one doing social, can you go to the other? So I'm, I'm down. I might not have all the perfect answers, but I will tell you my story. I'll give you examples. And I think that's the best thing um, anyone can do because again, I'm all about paying it forward in this industry. It's so important to me. 
Okay. Last question. Is there a mantra that you live by? Wow. This is the good one. (laughs) Um, So live life no regrets, but then also like speak your truth, man. Like don't hold it in. I've done so much soul searching Um, when I lost my, my role and then, you know, joined the campaign, then that ended. uh, And then now I'm back home in Louisiana, uh, just taking another break from New York. Um, I've been journaling a lot and, and that's where I've been really discovering this is like, you know, maybe it's okay. Maybe the reason I'm uncomfortable right now is because I'm growing and that's why it feels uncomfortable. So you need to keep pushing through that uncomfortable, uncomfortableness, uncomfortability. I'm sorry, <laughs> English. We didn't go to that school. Um, so, <laughs> um, but, um, you know, keep, you know, go outside your comfort zone. This is like a lot, but like, these are all things I've learned again, 27 patience, because I, it took me forever to learn these things These back in my early twenties, I was like, Oh my God, everything like feels weird and on fire. But sometimes that, that is good. Um, and that, that happens in your life for a reason. So just embrace it. You know, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, I keep it super easy. I'm at Ryan, R Y A N church, C H A R C H. Just put that together, um, on everything, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Um, you know, I've kind of prioritized me, so I don't post as much as I used to anymore. And that's totally okay. Because like when I want to post though, I'm like, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm going to do. Um, but that's where you can find me and you can hit me up. Um, and then, like I said, if, uh, if you DM me or something, it might go to those, you know, the, the other box. So if I don't see it right away, I'm not ignoring you. It's the algorithm. <laughs> I, I will <laughs> blame get the you algorithm it. for everything. <laughs> Just life in general. Yeah. Just everything. Um, yeah. At Ryan charge on everything. And, and please, I welcome it. And again, I, I might not have the perfect answers, but I can just tell you what happened to me. And maybe, you know, you can add, incorporate something, but don't try to ever be someone like some people are like, Oh, I'm the next blah, blah, blah. No, be you don't be the next, whatever that person already did it. Be you. That's so important. So important. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation and this amazing podcast episode. I feel like I learned so much. I know that the listeners will get so much value out of this. And thank you for sharing your story and reuniting with me live. So I appreciate it. And I'm just so grateful. No, thank you for having me. Thank you to everyone for listening. I hope any of that made sense. But Blair, thank you. Keep crushing it. Um, and I know we're we're, we're going to be catching up with each other soon and, and doing a lot more together. Thank you Bye, so everyone. much. Bye. Yeah.